Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for this guest. She's in town before she heads back to beautiful California, so we'll hear all about that. But friends of the show will recognize her as an indoor provincial champion from her 18-new year. She won U21 on the beach. She attended Colorado State. After that, she went to USC for beach. And now she's representing Canada on the world tour and already has two Norseka medals. So please welcome to the show, Alex Paletto. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So you're in town for Norseka trials and you're just hanging out for a little bit, visiting family while you can before you head back? Yeah, exactly. Just taking care of my body a little bit before I head back down there. Um, yeah, it's always nice to stay here whenever I have the chance to, right? So see my mom and friends and stuff. Awesome, yeah, because California is home for you, and I think has been since you graduated from USC, right? You technically never moved back, right? No, I didn't. Um, it was more of like a test run after I finished. I was like, oh, I'll just give it a shot, see how the fall goes, staying in California, and then ended up, I just I just love it there. It's hard to leave once you're there. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess it is home, even though I'm still considered a visitor legally. <laughs> but yeah, it's a home. So friends of the show will recognize, like, you had a dominant 18U. Like, you were a big part of that squad. And we were just talking before the show. Tia was on the team. Asia was on that team. Like, you had a lot of good players. Uh, when did volleyball click for you? Because I feel like if anyone's watched you recently, it's like, yeah, Alex is good. But were you always good? Or did you have, like, the tall phase at one point? hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't think it clicked until 17U. Nice. Um, I was super just doing it just because I liked it and it was fun and my friends were in it and that's all I knew and it was twice a week fun volleyball <laughs> after school and I think I went 16U I went and tried out for Team Ontario Indoor uh I believe that was 16U or it might have been the year before but um yeah and I didn't think I was gonna make it at all I was for sure not one of the top medals and I just did it because my mom was like try it and everyone was way older than me it was with like the brett Haggerty and um autumn bailey and like kaylee kirkshank kind of age and yeah i was super young and i made it i think they just saw potential i guess <laughs> but i made it and i was shocked and it was like such an accomplishment and then we went to the tournament and i ended up starting i don't forget what they're called that tournament national team challenge cup i think yes, maybe in that area that. i think now they've changed it but i think that's what it was called yeah, in that area in, yeah um edmonton yeah. yeah and i ended up starting like halfway through with uh who was the other medal? i forget anyways but that was like oh my gosh wait maybe i am like okay like, <laughs> i mean i didn't get set i remember re-watching the film and i think i got set twice in like a five set match <laughs> but like i'm like well they see potential like i have something here so then I think I played, oh, that must have been 15 years, because in 16 years I played up on the 17 U team of Dan, um, Dana Cook. Okay. Um, with like Kat Safias and Taylor Ivey and those players and um, started there as well eventually, like worked my way up. So that was another compliment, like, okay, like building on like a little confidence, like, okay, maybe I'm okay at volleyball. And it's not just for fun. And then 17U, it really started to click. Um, I realized that I am more of a dominant player. Um, and I think it was like 17U, like October, I was like, maybe I should go to the States and play in college. Like, nice. I don't know, maybe, like, let me try. And so I started reaching out to different schools. And everyone was like, our lineups are completely full for your year. Like, we have all of our recruited class done. And I was like, oh, like, I'm way too late. Like, everyone starts this in grade nine. Mm -hmm. No one starts grade 11. Um, so I was, like, just building 17 new year. And um, 
I went to a showcase my 17 year in Kentucky, um, which funny story. <laughs> I remember going to that showcase and I felt like, like such the underdog. All these girls were huge first of all, and like looked like they were just so good at volleyball. Like, you know, when you just feel like you're so out of place. And I was so nervous that I, <laughs> I spent like the first 40 minutes of the entire showcase in the bathroom, just like being so nervous. Oh, no I couldn't, I couldn't go out. I was shaking, like kneeling against the side of, of the wall, just like terrified to go out. Um, eventually went to the showcase, finally got out there. Colorado State saw me there. Um, then they like reached out, they were interested, came to Canada to watch club practice and on the spot was just like, yep, we want you. Here's a, I'll call you later tonight, offered me a full ride. And I was like shocked. <laughs> didn't seem like this would ever happen. Like I just, I didn't really have like a long journey trying to get to this point. It was just super quick within a few months of me deciding I was okay. Maybe I'm good enough to like getting a full ride scholarship um yeah and so then I think that was like an added confidence and then 18 new year I just was able to kind of enjoy it felt like I was one of the top players in the OVA for my age and that was yeah, that was a really fun year great team um yeah and that was that was pretty much club volleyball it was amazing so you kind of took the lead on your own recruiting by contacting schools did you visit any other schools other than Colorado State? Did you get like your feet on the ground at another campus? Um, one. So right after I got the offer from Colorado State, the only other team that had answered all my emails was Western Kentucky University. Okay. And they were top top team. They were like ranked 15th, I think, in the um, polls. And I went and visited there as well. And it was actually a beautiful campus. I didn't really think. Maybe it was just like a like stereotype I had in my head of like, <laughs> Kentucky. I don't know if I want to go there. Um, it was beautiful. And I was actually super convinced to go to Western Kentucky. And it, after that trip, everyone was so nice. And like that Southern hospitality, nice. I wanted to go there over Colorado State originally. I was like, told my dad, I'm like, yep, I want to go to Western Kentucky. Like, this is it. Like, I feel like I'm more welcome there. And then I think it came down to the program. The program at Colorado State was more what I wanted to do. And, um, seemed uh, more strong in my eyes. So I ended up going to Colorado State, but actually I was more drawn towards Western Kentucky originally. Um, so were your parents or family concerned at all? Because Colorado State, like, that's pretty far away. Like, did you ever consider an OUA school or U Sports, or you were convinced the NCAA was the spot and you were willing to get on a flight to kind of go to post-secondary? Um, I think I was totally okay with going to OUA, and, like, I didn't rule that out at all. I just didn't think I was going to get an NCAA offer that quickly mm. so I started my junior year with my dad like once we I said okay maybe this could happen my dad said okay make a chart of all the schools that have um, in the top 30 he's like if you're going to go down there you're not going to anything below top 30 that was okay. his requirement <laughs> he's like make a list top 30 schools that have your program um, that you want to go to that are like have need a middle or like you think need a middle and um, just like all these different pros and cons for them that I saw. And then reach out to all of them, write emails, send your recruiting stuff. Um, and yet the only ones that answered back was Colorado State, Western Kentucky, and then Florida State a little bit, but they lost interest pretty quickly. And then um, Pepperdine, I think a little bit, but they, weren't, they didn't have a full scholarship. And 
that was it. And then so it was like pretty easy. And I was like, okay, I'll just try it out. And then uh, if it doesn't work out, I can go to OUA. But mm-hmm. OUA recruiting doesn't usually start that early. Like usually you can decide your senior year. Yeah, for and sure. And you'll be okay. And you don't need to know where you're going before grade 11. I feel people are still deciding even at provincial championships. Exactly. People are still in the bubble. Right? Yeah, so. you're not always for sure. So um, I, it was like, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go to OUA. And like, it wasn't like that's a secondary option, but it was, I had no rush. So this was more rushed and it just happened so easily that it was like, okay, this must be the path for me if it's this easy. So sometimes we hear horror stories from the NCAA that sometimes athletes don't get to pick their schedule uh, or little things happen that once you're on campus, it's a different feel that everything's, you get all the attention when you're being recruited, but once you're on site, it changes. What was your first year like? Because I think people who have followed your career would have remembered, I think one of your first exhibition games, or maybe it was regular season, like you went off and hit like 800 or something ridiculous, right? So Mm -hmm. um, was the volleyball what you thought it was going to be? And did your course schedule, (laughs) did they follow through with like allowing you the schedule that you needed? Uh uh no (laughs) yeah there definitely is things about ncaa that you hear up here and obviously some of them are like very like event specific or it's that that certain school or that certain moment um in general i don't think there was really any like big issues i saw in the ncaa um but yeah volleyball was not what i thought it would be and i think it's just because i was so like unaware of what was happening down there and maybe kids are more aware than I was but I did not watch any university volleyball (laughs) I didn't follow it at all like I I still don't (laughs) but like I had no idea what was to expect of that and um I mean at least I we practiced three times a week I think in my 18 year team year and I don't know if it's different now if they practice more it might be, and I don't think your era was really into, like, the mandatory conditioning that a lot oh, of clubs have picked up now, or I don't think yeah. you would have been, like, lifting as a team uh-uh. in your, any years of club, right? Yeah, so. no. Um, we, I think I started, I didn't even lift before I got to college. Right. At all. Like, I think I went to Fitz with Tia a few times to, like, try it. Like, I think I went max, like, ten times before I went to college. I had no idea what, like, Olympic lifting was. <laughs> like, nothing. Uh, so yeah, I was only practicing three times a week. The most volleyball I did was with Timo in the summers. We had five days a week mm-hmm. from each, but indoor never more than three. Um, so yeah, that just the load itself, I had no idea. And I hopped right into two days. So you're doing two practices a day, two hours or more, sometimes individual practices on top of that. If you're struggling, um, then you have lifts every single day and like team bonding at night. <laughs> so it was so overwhelming at first and like my body wasn't ready for it at all, but, um, I mean, you catch up quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you jump also right into season, like, cause we're a fall sport. So you start school, so you start university and you also start season of being away for four days of the week, um, trying to catch up all your university coursework on Sundays, um, like having to deal with talking to professors and like making up exams and doing exams on the road and all that stuff right away. Like there's no time to like get used to it. Um, so yeah, you're definitely thrown into the fire <laughs> a little bit. Um, but like nothing like that I thought like wasn't not handleable or able to be handled. <laughs> um, and 
the coursework. Um, I never had an issue with having to like change my schedule, not take classes. You kind of just arrange it that like you end up taking your Easter classes in the fall and then try to take your harder courses in the spring. Or like, if you know that it's only offered at practice time, you're like, okay, I'll save that one for the spring. And then in the end of the day, usually you leave, if there's ever a course that interrupts with practice, you leave it till your senior year. And then your senior year, you just said, hey, this is the only class I need to graduate. And it's only offered fall. That's a good way to during, do it. Yeah, during like practice time. And by then, when you're a senior, the coach knows you can handle your stuff. So they're like, okay, you can leave practice for an hour or like not be at practice these days. So so how did you find that you managed all the hours? Because you're mentioning the weightlifting, the individual practices, the video, the actual team practices, uh, and even just the travel that your conference had, right? So it wouldn't be unusual for you guys to leave on a Thursday for a game, right? Because you might have to fly to a lot of your games, right? So are you good at doing homework on the bus or on the plane? Or like, how did you and your teammates kind of manage all the hours? Because you're, you're basically a professional athlete for the whole fall semester, right? Yeah, it's a lot. And if you're not able to like self-manage and like use your time wisely and be really diligent, like you'll struggle, but there's no way that you can't get it done. Like when some kids are just like, it's just too much. I can't do it. There's, there's, there's so many opportunities that they offer you to help you in these situations. So yeah, we'd usually leave Wednesday night or Wednesday right after class. Um, so around like two o'clock drive to DIA, which is like an hour and a bit drive, get on a plane. Cause our, our, all our games were not really in Colorado. Um, and then play a game Thursday, then usually travel Friday to the next game, then you play a game Saturday. And then you come home either like Saturday at like 1 a.m. or like Sunday at 9 a.m. or something because they try to give you one day off. <laughs> but um, you always have mandatory study hall. Right. So you have at least structured like three or four hours that you're going to have to do work. And then you have the bus ride, you have the plane rides in the airport, like there's so much free time on the road um, where they don't really like let you just like wander and do nothing. Like you're kind of in the hotel. Um, So you have a lot of time to get done. And they usually, they started bringing like academic counselors on the road to help you if you needed help or to proctor like quizzes and exams. Um, And there's like tutors available to you whenever you want for whatever subject, not on the road, but like in school. So if you need to catch up on something, they can help you. They have like, this is so many opportunities that to help you get by. Cause they know it's harder for athletes. So you're, you're sacrificing so much and you're putting on these hours. So what were the moments that you really grasped to, to made it worth it? Like, was it playing in the tournament? Was it playing for conference championships? Was it like rivalry games that you really got up for? Like you're doing all this work. There's gotta be something you enjoy beyond just the volleyball. Right. So how many people would attend a home game or were there kids around that kind of make you feel like a big deal? Like what was kind of the, the spotlights of kind of feeling like a, a high level athlete when you were at Colorado state? Oh gosh, it was such a great school for like the atmosphere of playing there. Like I couldn't have asked for anything better. I think we're ranked in like the top 10 NCAA schools for like uh, attendance. Wow. Very nice. Um, we have an average of 3000 people a night. <laughs> yeah. And then our highest, like, for our whiteout game versus Wisconsin or with Texas, we had seven thousand something, so like almost full, and yeah, it was insane. Like I don't know if I'll ever play in front of that many people. Right. Like right. something I'll maybe never be able to do again. And 
it was it was so cool and everybody knows you by name they see you at the grocery store and they're like hey you're on the volleyball team like you're like a little celebrity in this town um kids adore you and like we get like surrounded by kids after games wanting autographs for like an hour after the match or just still like giving autographs to all these little kids and um that made it all worth it so like when you have a bad match or like a bad week of training and you're kind of bummed out or to see all the fans come every single night to your game. Like, they don't miss a game. And to know everything about you and support you so much is just, it is so special and it makes everything, like, worthwhile no matter what. And what's it like attending the tournament? Like, knowing the bracket and they have the big show where they announce the seating and you see if you have to travel and who yeah. your crossover is going to be? Like, what's that atmosphere like when you know it's like, this is this is the big show, we're in it now? It's so cool. Um, there's... Yeah, it's a special feeling to be able to make the tournament. And we were fortunate enough to win our conference. We won three out of the four years I was there. So we we're always guaranteed a spot if you win your conference. Um, so we knew we were going to be in it, but um, it was more like, who are we playing? And because we came from a smaller conference, the Mountain West, we usually got matched up against like higher mm-hmm. ranked um, teams. Um, so it it's like so nerve-wracking because you're waiting to see who you play who you play and like where you have to go and then when you find out it's like so much adrenaline you have like four days to prepare or three days depends when you play but usually three or four days to prepare for that team um someone you've never seen before and um everything's just like like do or die kind of mentality and throughout the whole season it's kind of you gotta get into like a a rut you're just doing the same thing over the same rituals like you're playing the same teams you've already played in the end of season you've already played them once so you kind of know them a lot and um you get kind of tired by the end of november and then NCAA tournament starts and it's like a fresh start like it feels like season restarted and it's a totally different season um but yeah it was super cool and my freshman year we hosted uh, the first round of the tournament because we were ranked I think 13th and we got to host like all the Colorado teams so it was like us Northern Colorado Denver and um, University of Col- Colorado Boulder who was like our nemesis basically <laughs> CU versus CSU and we ended up playing up playing them to go into the Sweet 16 and it went to five sets and I think the final score was 15-13 and it ended with a game-winning block by my right side and me. And, like, that moment just, like, will be engraved in my memory forever. That's so cool. It was insane. Um, you're, like, you're playing, in, or playing in front of, like, 7,000 people. And everyone, like, oh, it was just insane. And then we went to the Sweet 16 and played Texas and <laughs> just got destroyed. <laughs> but, yeah, it's super cool. And then you get to play against these, like, big-name teams like the Texas and Stanford and Washington, like, stuff you don't usually do. So, awesome. Uh, the whole time you were focusing on indoor, you were also playing beach. But who kind of dragged you out to the beach in the beginning? Was it something through your club team that they were hosting, like, clinics and you tried it? Or... Did one of your teammates kind of pull you or did you kind of take the lead that you really wanted to play beach volleyball because you, you quickly transitioned into one of the beach, uh, excuse me, best beach players in the country. But I'm just wondering how that started when you were so focused on indoor and getting that NCAA scholarship to start. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for <laughs> that little <laughs> compliment. But um, yeah, it was kind of the same thing how I started indoor. Like I just did it for fun. I always just did 
everything I did in volleyball was like, I just do it because it's fun and my friends go and I enjoy it. It was never like to get something out of it. Um, and I think that's also why I growed so quickly at the beginning. Cause I was just like there having fun, like present. I wasn't like, like stressed to accomplish anything. Um, but yeah, I started because I think when my teammates, um, she doesn't play anymore, but she went to Harvard to play. Her name's Heather Sigurdsson. She was like, hey, do you want to play these OVA tournaments with me? And like, I'm like, sure. I don't know how to play beach. And I remember like going shopping for like our first bathing suit bottom nice. together. So we would match. And we were like, oh my gosh, we have to wear this. And then uh, there was Region 5 Summer Games tryouts. Think the next summer so I was still playing with Heather and we both tried out and I like didn't care out she's like let's do it and I'm like okay like sure like that would be cool and I ended up making it and that was more like the start of like competition in beach volleyball being like oh like I can compete and like be okay at this sport because <laughs> I played with Chanel um Raimondo Cruz and we won gold I don't know how like I don't think I <laughs> knew what I was doing up there, just being <laughs> tall. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so then after that, I was like, okay, maybe I'll do this every summer. Like, this is fun. And I joined Timo, and um, I was playing with, I think Tia Murek helped me a lot. She was had been playing beach since she was a little kid, and she kind of partnered up with me a few of those summers and kind of guided me, showed me the ropes of beach a little bit. And... Um, Angie was just huge in my development. I like owe my whole beach development as a child to Angie. Um, she like really helped me, not just like on the sand, knowing what I was doing, because that probably was more developed now than back then, but like more just like getting like the confidence as a player to play in the sand, because it is a really hard game to play and mm -hmm. feel confident about, because at the beginning you're just struggling to stay afloat so yeah she like grew every aspect as me as a player um and then yeah I think I did Timo until I left pretty much and how did the opportunity to go to USC pop up because I'm not sure the timing but either NCAA Beach would have been brand new when you were kind of coming through grade 11 and 12 or maybe it wasn't even a thing in your grade 11 or 12 year like it must have started just after mm -hmm. so um, because that wasn't an option, obviously, indoor was your focus, but when did the opportunity come? And then, just a, a quick follow-up, does the NCAA consider them two different sports? Is that how you didn't run into eligibility, or how does that work? <laughs> yeah, okay, so um, I went, so I did four years indoor, but I finished it in three and a half years. So I finished my, like, academics, and um, right in the same time as my season was done, my senior year, so that means I finished in December, and then I could finish out the rest of my year either at that's at Colorado just like being a regular student or I could go play beach for that semester um and they you're allowed to play two sports in one season okay yeah so it is a different sport um and then you also get a fifth year of eligibility if you play a different sport so I could go play softball or like see, basketball okay. or something and I can get a fifth year so yeah beach volleyball is a totally different sport um, and so I got a full fifth year and that extra half year so and then luckily it's a spring sport so I got two seasons out of it which was pretty sweet um 
if anyone can finish school in three and a half years, it's like definitely you should go do that because it was so nice to have that extra season. Did you stumble upon that or was that the plan to finish early? I, yeah, no, I stumbled upon okay. it. I <laughs> ended up doing a lot of summer school because they want you down there training. Oh, um, right, right. If, you, if you're able to, they're like, please stay for an extra month and train with our weight staff and like our team. So I and then um, I helped out with a club team down in Colorado. So then I had to stay for part of the summer as well. So I ended up getting a lot of summer credits done and then online summer credits when I was home. And um, I was like able to do the max credit throughout the year and feel okay with that. So then I got done by December, um, which was, yeah, super sweet. And then I, I stumbled upon USC. Actually, when I was being recruited to Colorado State, after I signed my letter of intent my junior year, we went to California with Timo as just like a training camp and okay. March break. And I had just signed and Sophie was signed to go to Long Beach the next year. And we, so we visited Long Beach and then we visited USC and Pepperdine. Um, and we played at USC actually against some of the teams and Anna Collier, I guess, went up to Angie and was like, hey, like, is she committed anywhere? Like, we're interested. And she's like, yeah, she just committed to Colorado State. And I was like, Angie told me that. And I was like, dang, like, I <laughs> fully messaged USC and not the beach team. I guess I messaged all the indoor teams. And I'm like, and no one answered me from these schools. And now they want me for beach. But I was like, whatever, whatever. Like, I like indoor better. I'm going indoor. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I definitely was like all indoor when I was younger. Um, beach was just like a fun summer thing. Um, so I was fully committed to indoor. And then um, every year when I was at Colorado, I remember Sophie and I kept in contact. And so Sophie Bukovec switched from Long Beach to USC, mm-hmm. I think her sophomore year. And she kept being like, hey, like, if you want to come here, we need a blocker. We'd love to have you. You can transfer. Like, come on, you can do it. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I need to finish it here. I need, I committed. I need to finish. Um, and I wasn't done with indoor. Like, I, I really wanted to finish my indoor career. Um, but then, yeah, my by the end, I was like, yep, I'm ready <laughs> to switch to beach. <laughs> um, and I messaged Anna Collier, the coach of USC, my... Uh, I think it was the summer or the fall of my senior year, like just right before I would have like graduated and just was like, Hey, like I'm finishing in December. Like, would I be able to come to your team in January? (laughs) And, um, she said, yes. She was like, yeah, we'd love to have you. And I talked to her. I talked to Stein from UCLA and, and, um, I talked to Pepperdine and to Florida state and, and Arizona. Talked to all of them, and they were all like, yeah, I'd love to have you, but a lot of them did not have any kind of scholarship to give me, just because it's, like, very last minute. Every They have everyone signed away. And beach volleyball doesn't get a ton of scholarships. Yeah, like, I feel indoor women's volleyball would be, like, fully funded or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And then beach, how many do you think uh, a larger school would have in full scholarships? I know they cut them, but how many yeah. full would they have, like... I think USC, we have six. Okay, and that'd be on the higher I think, end for yeah. the schools? Yeah. I don't know if that's on the higher end. We actually don't have a ton of funding for beach volleyball at USC. Okay. Just because there's so many sports. I don't know. I think UCLA actually has a pretty high budget. So you, okay. you should ask UCLA how many they got. <laughs> but yeah, we only had six. So it, And they split them like quarters here, halves, 
whatever, like, okay, I'll just pay for a tiny bit here. So everyone, she really tried to give everyone something. But um, yeah, so I, it was between UCLA, USC, and Arizona in the end. And then I chose USC just because I had, I knew Sophie went there, loved it. And um, I liked Anna. Um, I liked her approach and like her coaching style. So committed to go to USC. And it was such a, it was such a quick transition, like super like rush. I had no idea. I remember like showing up in LA and I still like, didn't really know where I was living. I had no <laughs> idea when practice started. I had no idea like when we were supposed to meet, where the coach was on, I didn't tell me anything. <laughs> She's like, I think our assistant's going to reach out to you and tell you what to do. <laughs> like I had no idea, but, um, it all worked out super easily and, um, yeah, just jumped right into it all into season yeah you managed being a master's student and mm. how did you enjoy the change or, or maybe it was a challenge going from an indoor team where you're all pulling in the same direction you might have mm-hmm. starters and bench players too I'm always fascinated with NCAA beach where it's teams within teams right so mm-hmm. how did you enjoy like the dual system and how they like to rank people like what was a USC practice like do, like do the ones get treated differently than like the the players who don't dress in a duel or how did you get the sense of how like a, a top beach program runs I'm sure it's different every program, but it is tough because you have five teams that start and um, there are a lot of players that don't start on the side. But the thing is, you can change those pairs whenever. And um, so those players were constantly being like worked into the lineup, especially that first year I got there. We didn't know really who was going to be fours and fives and even threes we were all like switching players and there was no really set partnerships uh we only had the top two was tina gradina and abril busamante they were like set for sure as ones and two was therese cannon and sammy slater those two everyone else was just like a mishmash (laughs) like i played with like five different or four different people throughout that three month season um and in practices, it, it is challenging because you're a team and you're, like, motivating each other and happy for each other, but at the same time, you're trying to beat each other out. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want to look better than you today. <laughs> and, like, oh, great, you're, you're doing well, but, like, don't do better than me. Um, so it's tough. But um, that was kind of what makes a high-level program high-level because you're, like, so competitive in practice because you're fighting for a spot that you're making each other so much better. Um, but... I mean, fortunately, I was always a starting player, so I did get a little more attention. And I think being, like, the awkward indoor tall girl, I, like, like Anna gave me a lot of feedback and coaching because she's like, okay, like, we, this girl needs coaching. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were, like, a non-starter that she didn't want to help, I guess, or see potential, then she didn't. I mean, there's just so many players you can offer help to, right? Like, there's 10 girls starting you have to offer a lot of feedback to. It's hard to give feedback to 16 or 20 girls all at once. Um, So, yeah, so if you're not starting, you do kind of – it does – it's hard. Like, it's hard to get noticed and you're kind of on the far court just playing matches or whatever. But that being said, you're thrown into the mix whenever and – there's been so many people that were thrown into the mix and then ended up starting because they just worked super hard even when the coach wasn't watching or giving them attention. And Anna was really good about giving everyone a chance at least. Like when things needed to be switched up, she would just pick Mm -hmm. anyone she saw fit was next. Like she didn't disregard anyone. 
So, um, yeah, it, it is tough, but it's definitely like you definitely have a chance to shine when you work hard. Did you feel like you belonged right away when you got there? Because technically you're you're a vet of the NCAA. Like, I don't want to discourage what you did at Colorado State, but it is technically a different sport. Mm-hmm. And you came into USC at a different time where Sarah Hughes and Kelly had cycled out. Sophie had cycled out, right? Like, they had a, a history of winning, but mm-hmm. I feel like those key pieces were gone now, right? So were you kind of leaned on as a leader because you were a vet, or were you closer to the rookie end of the spectrum just because of, of where you were in the sport? I was definitely a rookie. Um, one, <laughs> I love Anna. Like she's actually, like, I adore Anna, but she did me a disservice and didn't tell the team that I was coming on the team <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I showed up to a meeting and she's like, oh, this is a girl joining our team this semester. She played indoor she's from Canada. <laughs> and I'm like, hi guys. I'm like, And they're like, who is this girl? And like, is she even good? And I was not very strong when I got there. I was, I had just come off of indoor one, but I was also injured my whole senior year at Colorado State, um, which I didn't mention, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't start, I didn't play my senior year because I had shoulder surgery the spring before and I just couldn't recover. So I chose to sat out or sit out the whole time. Um, and so I came and yeah, one, I wasn't playing beach, but two, I wasn't even playing volleyball for like four months. Um, and so I was pretty rusty. Like it was like to the point where like free balls were thrown at me and I was shanking them. <laughs> so girls were like, this, this girl isn't good. Like why did Anna bring her here? Like, yeah. So I was accepted to a certain degree. I think like girls were nice to me, but I definitely wasn't like, oh, this girl's sick. We're so happy she's on our team. <laughs> they were just kind of like, okay, like whatever. Um, but then I think it was around end of March, beginning of April, I like started to win and they're like, okay, wait, like she's actually okay. Like she's, she can do this. (laughs) And then by the end, by, um, NCAA tournament time, um, I was like winning games for our team. Uh, my partner and I, we won like a crucial match against Pepperdine in the NCAA tournament. And it came down to like third set, everyone like on our court to win the duel um so then I think I gained like my team's trust and going into my fifth year like they it was a lot different (laughs) did that compare at all the the beach system where just the eye test whenever I watch a game obviously there's not 7,000 people watching Mm -hmm. indoor but the dual system where you are pulling and as matches start to end you start to kind of huddle around one court and you mentioned you got to be like the last court going um is there any comparison to indoor to beach as you being a high level in indoor or was it kind of like brand new where you had to get used to you know, you're pulling for a team, but you got to take care of your match first. Like, it's a very unique format. I, I kind of enjoy it. Like, it, it's a great, I don't know who designed this, but it's a great yeah. idea. It's kind of the tennis model, but yeah. um, it, it's different than what we're used to with the national team, right? Where you go to a tournament, and you're an right. individual where, you know, like, what was the, what stands out in your mind that's different between beach and indoor and the way it's kind of treated? Because USC seems like a great sports school, mm-hmm. right? But w- were you kind of getting attention at home games or not really? Or Yeah, not really. Like, it, it, it is kind of sad because it's such a, cool sport to watch and um the college atmosphere is so awesome but our courts are small like we had our stands were like four seats high but they were filled like like we had like a lot of fans for like what we could like house but um I definitely think that college beach could grow to be something just as big as indoor and like I I guarantee like in 10, 20 years, we're going to have stadiums that are like indoor stadiums for beach volleyball on college campuses. Um, but um, there is, it is really cool in the sense that when you, 
when you're down to like the deciding duel of if your team wins or not and you're the ones playing like everyone surrounds your court and it I think it's more like team rather than fans right so you have all of your team screaming while the other team's <laughs> screaming on the sidelines and then at NCAAs that's really cool because the it, the courts are really spread out so there's a lot of room for fans to watch and Gulf Shores actually gets a lot of fans that come out to Gulf Shores. Yeah, because they've been the host every year, I think yeah. it's happened, right? Yeah, so. so that was super cool. Like, you, There's at least probably like 400, 500 people surrounding that court like trying to trying to watch, <laughs> which is really cool. Nice. And then you, you graduate. Mm-hmm. Did you know what 1440 was, or was that just an opportunity for a training environment? Like, uh, Obviously, they, they do great media. I'm sure everybody's heard of it. But how did you get your entry into that? Um, yeah, I kind of stumbled upon it. Uh, I seem like I just stumble upon everything. <laughs> so far, just keep it going. Well, that's what I say is like, if it happens so easily, then like, you got to go with it. You can't fight it because it's obviously meant to be. So I was, I finished in May and then I took like two months off just to chill. And at this point I was like pretty, I was certain I was coming back to Canada. Um, and I was like originally going to partner up with Sophie and like come home, start training, do the whole shebang here. But then I, um, uh, Sophie partnered with Taylor, which is like awesome. Like, so yeah, so I came, uh, home, I think just to visit and talk to people here and like met with like Steve and, um, different coaches here and Adriana and talked about what would happen here. And, um, I just got the information and then I like thought about what would happen if I stayed in the States and, kind of weighed my options and then the deciding factor for me was that uh, my partner just like stumbled into my life and so my partner Megan Nash I knew before but I had no idea that I would ever play with her Um, she was a blocker she was a middle blocker in college for indoor like did the same thing I did four years indoor one year beach at LMU but she was a blocker the whole time and um, I had never seen her play and I had no idea that, like, she was staying in California. But Steve Anderson actually was like, hey, like, you should reach out to Megan. Like, I think she's down there now, and she's awesome. And so I was like, okay, I'll ask. And I was like, do you want to partner with me? Would you want to defend? He goes, yep, I would do it for you. (laughs) So I was like, okay, let's do it. So we just tried it out. Like, let's give it this fall, see how it works out. And it ended up being so easy. Like, she was already part of P1440, and so I just joined in with her and that became super easy. And P1440 like opened or like introduced us to so many players down there and it's like a little community. So, so many girls doing the same thing we are like post-college trying to make it on the tour, like beginning steps, finding their feet. So introduced us to oh, so many people to play with and train with and then also a bunch of coaches to train with. And they also offer you strength and conditioning um, and, uh, physio- physical, therapy and a bunch of workshops too, to help you like, just with like the professional lifestyle, like how to watch film and how to like promote yourself on social media and stuff like that. So like they give a lot and it's all free, which is insane to me. So like P1440 is like, I don't know how they can do this for everyone, but it is like super awesome to have this opportunity. Yeah, let's take a, a deeper dive because I think uh, myself, but for the listeners as well, I think we, we know what 1440 is. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's get into details. Like how many people are in this training group? Like what does a typical day or a week look like? Because it, it looks like it's it's a professional club model with a beach volleyball twist to it, right? So 
Um, you kind of mentioned how you got started into it, but yeah, what does a week look like as far as like, do you know who you're training with? Is it just a big group? Do you take over the whole beach with like 14 <laughs> cords? Like what does this actually look like? Um, so there's two groups. There's a Huntington group and a Hermosa beach group because there's just like two locations. Each location has two training groups of elite and developmental levels. And then for boys and girls. So each group has about 10 players. Um, and... Uh, so that's, what, 40 people in each location. So a total of like around 80 people probably. And they each group has two coaches. And um, we train Monday, we train twice a week. So girls go Monday, Wednesday. Boys go Tuesday, Thursday for two hours. And it's just group training um, with two like high-level coaches, I think, um, our coach is, his name is Pompilio, and he was an like Olympic-level coach for Brazil. And so he's super awesome. And another coach is Artur, who's also Brazilian. Actually, I think every coach is Brazilian in <laughs> people are team morning. <laughs> they're taking over down there. But, yeah, um, they're awesome coaches, like super high-level. And um, it then – so they have those. That's twice a week. And then every four weeks or three weeks – uh, they have a P1440 inter-squad tournament. So it's just a single elimination style tournament uh, with the, everyone that's in P1440. And then um, based on how well you do in those inter-squads, how well or how many practices you show up to, and um, how well you do in either CBVAs during the winter and then AVPs during the summer, it, you get points and like ranked the whole group and then the top 10 I believe get paid out for like just points from that session and it's like pretty good money I think the first gets like five grand wow Um, that's a great system yeah it's really awesome so it's like rewarding for the players because they get high level training one for free and then they also get the chance to win money and have great competition at the inter-squads and then um it's like providing kind of like a community as well. Like I've met so many people down there, like so many opportunities to like to play and do different things. So it's a great community. So be honest, the first time Carrie Walsh Jennings or Casey Jennings walk by, are you a little starstruck? You're like, whoa, oh like gosh. you see them in person and it's real? Like- <laughs> yes, like 100%. Carrie's been my idol like since I was a kid. I think in grade like 10 I had her as my phone background for like a full year nice. does she know that story <laughs> probably not <laughs> but yeah I she was always my idol still is and actually she I don't know how I got this opportunity but I got asked to practice with her in September and I was like in like awe like starstruck I don't think I said anything like the whole practice I was so nervous but I, I went to two practices with her and Casey and it was so much fun, and I learned so much from her just watching her play and, like, how she practices. And, um, yeah, it was, like, such a crazy opportunity. And that was, like, okay, yes, I'm so glad I live in California because I probably would never, ever get this opportunity in my life. Yeah, like, what stands out in your mind the way she trains without giving up too many trade secrets? Because, obviously, <laughs> you're there to be a peer to her and to help her get better, or otherwise mm-hmm. you wouldn't be invited. This isn't fantasy camp, right? Mm-hmm. So you're there to get better. So what stood out in your mind? Because I always hear about, like, elite high performers. They have some professional behaviors. But what mm-hmm. stood out in your mind about the way she carries herself? Um, one, I she has a very 
structured uh, regi- like schedule, it seems like. Like, she was the first to practice, and she went to the water and, like, did her warm-up and, like, uh, seemed, like, just, like, kind of like a meditation type thing. And, like, that was, like, okay, wow. Like, she's super focused for her time here on the sand and um, showed up before everyone. And then she – I loved that she asked so many questions during her training. And so it's, it is just her and Brooke and then – uh, Casey, I think, is more is like a coach and practice player, and then they have another coach, and so she was just asking every single time, even it, like good play or um, like an error, it was a question after like, hey, like what did you see on my block? Hey, like do you think I should take more this way, or did, could you get around me? And like she was asking me like, did you see me dive cross? Did you okay. see me like was my hand open? Like why did you use me? Why did like you know what I mean? Like she was just trying to learn at every single possible play. And I was like, wow, like she's really taking advantage of every moment on the sand, which I think is, that's the difference between high level and like where I'm at is like maximizing that two hours you have. And like, I'm still learning how to do that. And obviously it's easier in a smaller group with just you and your partner, but uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool to see. Is there anything you'd like to do in your development that you could maybe pass on to our younger listeners? Like, are you big on journaling and reflecting? Are you big now that you've seen Carrie do it? Do you get to practice early and make sure that like you're prepared versus I, I, I coach clubs. So I know kids who walk in five minutes before practice yeah. starts and it's like, or how are you going to be mentally ready in five minutes to even have your shoes on, let alone be dialed in for this practice. Right. So, uh, um, yeah, I think it, the, I think you'll learn as you go on, um, what each person needs. I need something totally different from what my partner needs and every player has their own special thing that they need to do. I've like realized that I need like a good warm up. Then I do like, I love to journal and like mindfulness stuff. And so every practice before practice, I write down like my, out of 10 where I'm at that, that day, whether that just be focus, energy, like happiness, whatever, um, just where I'm at, just to know like, okay, I'm a five out of 10, like what can I do with that five out of 10? How am I gonna still make this a good practice? And then I write down a goal for the day. Like today I'm gonna work on just, it, it, sometimes it's as easy as like, today I'm gonna work on my uh, communication with my partner or like my footwork or trying to like line my shoulder up more with the ball. And then at the end of practice, I go and I either just have a check mark to say I did it or I didn't do it. And like what, ha- like what worked for me today, like what helped me get to that goal. Um, and then I do a lot of like journaling on the side to just like goal work and um, different like journal prompts and all that stuff. But for some people, they don't need that. They, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they, that doesn't help them. But I find that really helpful. And you can easily do that in your head too. But I think creating a purpose for every practice is definitely something you need to do as you get um, in the higher levels because your your fine tuning becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So like Carrie asking a question for every single play, like you need to fine tune like the littlest things in order to make the next jump. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're young, like just being able to pass fifty <laughs> percent yeah. of the balls is great, you know. So um, yeah, purpose is definitely a big one. Nice. And how have you found the balance between training in California and being a 1440 athlete, but also representing Canada? Like, are they very supportive when you and Megan were representing Canada at the Norseka tours, or if you decide to go on tour, like, how do you find the balance? Because you obviously have different challenges and opportunities than say an American does, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, 
are, are they supportive enough that you can say to your coach, hey, I'm, I have a Norseka in three weeks and they start to build practices around your needs or mm -hmm. how does it work as far as competition goes? Um, yeah, on both sides, they're supportive. The coaches down there at P1440 are supportive of everything we're doing with Canada, which is so cool that they're opening that up to every different country. Like that's not just Americans. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, they're super supportive of it and they want to promote all the players to go play FIVBs and whatever tournaments they possibly can. Um, cause this is supposed to be like the developmental to the next jump. They don't want you to be in P1440 forever, right? <laughs> they want you to make it to pro. Um, and then uh, team Canada has been super supportive and they, they gave us the opportunity to go to Norsecas because, um, we didn't even do trials and, they, I think they just needed somebody to go and they chose us. So, yeah, I think the policy is it goes through the list. Yeah. And then if nobody claims it, uh, you get a nomination. So you guys exactly. are obviously on that list. So, so. that was like really, really um, awesome of them. And I, we appreciated that because we were ready to like close out our season. And then they gave us that opportunity, which was super cool because Megan had never been to a Norseka. Um, and so it was um, nice for her to get that opportunity and we ended up taking a bronze which was awesome so um, they're super supportive but um, there's like struggles of being on both sides like there's struggles of being in California and having to work with Team Canada from there they don't mm -hmm. get to see what we're doing they don't get right. to see what like how hard we're working or like the quality of our practices like it's, it's hard to know and all they can see is when we come here for qualification tournaments or how well we do in results so it's hard to really showcase your talent from mm -hmm. afar and then it's hard um down there just because you don't have the same level of support as an american because we can't play a vp you know like right. we don't get the same um opportunities as everyone else and like people necessarily don't want to play with us because we can't play a vp with them so like um, luckily we have each other, but if we didn't, like we wouldn't really have a partner down there cause they're all trying to ramp up to AVP season. And, um, even coaches, I've heard some coaches say like, I want to coach a player that will play AVPs. I don't want to travel the world and do FIVBs. So, so that's a good layer that it, having you on the show kind of adds to, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Like it, it is, it's definitely tough. And, um, that's why it's, it's super awesome that I have Megan and we have each other that we can stick together. But yeah, it's, we're in a totally different like, uh, path than a lot of the other Americans our age are. So just a follow up question, because, you know, if, if we're going to try to be a serious podcast, we got to ask the hard <laughs> questions. You might know the answer to this. Uh, volleyball fans would know that Carrie left the AVP, but uh -huh. it sounds like 1440 is supportive that if they want to compete, like they're not going to take a stand and say, no, they, they weren't supportive of me. So you can't do it. It sounds like yeah. that's the tour and they're, they're just out for volleyball. It sounds like Casey yes. and Carrie yeah. are just what's best for the athletes, right? Yeah. I mean, they changed their, uh, focus. Cause I think when they first came out, they were doing the tournaments and stuff. Yeah. Right. And they completely got rid of that. And now they're totally just a media based company trying to just grow volleyball as a sport. And they want to be like the one-stop shop for volleyball. Like if you want your volleyball news, you go to P1440 and that's, I think their goal. And yeah, they're super supportive of every opportunity. And like, that's why they give points for the P1440 rankings from AVP. Like they want everyone to compete in okay. the AVPs. So credit to them for not having a lot of ego because I, it obviously it reached the point where it was almost public with the yeah. dispute, right? So credit to them for not saying like, no, you can't do this because yeah. I don't like them. So No, it, yeah. No, I think Carrie's all about just growing the game, you know, so whatever opportunity you can do, I think she's for it. 
Awesome. Well, I'm just looking at the clock and we, we've taken a lot of your time and I know you don't get to come home as often as you would have liked, but uh, one small tradition we're starting to grow on the show is just <laughs> a funny story. So hopefully somebody who's a Canadian living in the U.S. or somebody who's been to Norseka's or played indoor at a high level and now playing beach at the highest level. Do you have a funny story for us that you could share just to give our listeners a laugh? Oh, gosh. I... I don't have a ton. I mean, Norseka's, there's always funny things that happen. Like, you can't go to a Norseka and not have something funny happen. Um, we, the last Norseka I went to in Jamaica, we, I hopped in the shower the first day, and, like, halfway through my shower, I, like, realized my feet were stuck to the ground. And I was like, what's going on? And I looked down, and it was a freshly painted shower. No And way. I'm like, who paints showers one? Like, I didn't know showers were painted. Why just the bottom? So I'm like, what happened in the shower that they needed to paint <laughs> <laughs> and cover up? Terrifying. But yeah, everything. I mean, uh, what else? I don't think I have a really funny story, but um, a kind of like a cool story is uh, both Megan and I partnered up. Um, and we came here for the FISU trials in mm-hmm. uh, beginning of January, and our parents had never met each other. And so they both show up and we're all talking, and Megan's mom looks at my mom and goes, like, do I know you? And my mom's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And uh, she's like, oh, okay, like, whatever. Then, like, an hour later, she comes back and she goes, I do know you. We went and spent a two-week vacation in Florida together like through a mutual friend they had ended up like shared a hotel room for two weeks and done a vacation together no way yeah like such a coincidence so then they have all these photos of them from the 80s of them on this trip together and probably haven't talked since and haven't talked since and now their daughters are playing beach volleyball together like super super random but yeah the odds of that happening are kind of scary actually (laughs) that's funny how it came together Awesome. So if fans want to root for you, obviously 1440 is kind of home base and mm-hmm. they can follow you there. Uh, what's next for you guys? Have you and Megan looked at the schedule? I know you're on the list for Norseekas. I haven't seen, we've gotten hints of the schedule, but it's not on the website. So obviously it's not official. Like how's your season looking? Are you looking to compete internationally or is it mostly going to be California based? Um, I think we're still trying to figure it out. We're, we're not in a rush because it is Olympic year and um, our goal is 2024. So this year is kind of just like our personal year like we're focusing on our own development um and so i think we're going to try to do some norsecas in the spring like in april hopefully and then um maybe try to do some fibbs come the fall or late august but yeah not really in a rush and taking it day by day <laughs> awesome well it's been fun to see your career because uh me being in toronto and you kind of coming through the system it was funny to see you go from the tall kid to the one dominating and then seeing what you did at colorado <laughs> state was awesome and then USC I mean fight on yeah always fight on (laughs) and then awesome yeah it's good to see that you're in California but still making time and still want to be a part of the national team which I think is a cool Mm -hmm. thing to do so lots of stuff to keep track of but it's always uh, great talking to you when you are home so thanks for coming on the show thank you thanks for listening if you've made it this far you're clearly a friend of the show as a friend of the show we'd love to connect with you please follow passing dimes on Instagram if you think we've earned it please give us a five-star rating We'd love to connect with you. Please leave a comment. That could be a good old-fashioned, this show is awesome, you should listen to it. You could ask for future guests. Like if I were to leave a review right now, I'd say please get Sam Schachter, Melissa Himata-Predes, or Stephen Marr. Or leave a question for a future guest like who their volleyball role model was or who's their favorite player to watch live. Most importantly, remember the nicest compliment you can give Passing Dimes is by telling your friends about the show. Stay excellent, friends.